The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today Ball Presentation. I'm your host, as always, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. This is a HoopBall presentation, as you already know. So definitely make sure to check out HoopBall on Twitter, at HoopBallTweets. Online as well, Hoop-Ball.com. Everything you need to level up this fantasy basketball season is going to be over there for you. Our HoopBall fantasy experts are really waiting to help anyone they have a variety of content on board right now for you to check out including what i highly recommend the hoop ball 360 it is everything you need from the fantasy side the wager side exclusive content from all of our experts definitely make sure to look into that as soon as you can hoop ball.com on twitter at hoopball tweets or for that hoopball 360 content at hoopball fantasy so definitely make sure to check that out it's working wonders for me already got two leagues i'm in right now what are you waiting for? Get in on that. All right, so we got to talk about some Christian Wood. It's going to be more Houston-centric pod. It wasn't meant to be, but it will be. Might as well turn this in a little bit of a preview. But um, we got Christian Wood talk, his first game available. He showed up in a very big way. We have some more Ben Simmons, James Harden talk swap to get into. So without further ado, let's get started. So Christian Wood, man, y'all, the guy went off. This is the first game available. He had missed um, some time just getting back. He was out of it. Uh, as far as not playing in previous games. He comes back in in the final preseason game for the Rockets against the Spurs, and what does he do? Oh, you know, just 27 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block on 10 of 18 shooting in 24 minutes of action. Isn't that wild? I'll say that one more time. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a block. The dude piled up the stats in 24 minutes. Most importantly, he worked really well with James Harden, the Rockets blew out the Spurs 128-106 in the preseason finale for the Rockets. I'm, as I've said before on the show, not a huge preseason guy. It is what it is in my mind. You know, you're really getting players back into action a little bit. You know, see different players on new teams in the new duds, see how they look a little bit. But as far as major takeaways, not a whole lot in my opinion. People either overanalyze or barely analyze it. And so for me, I kind of just to a, if it's on, I'll watch. And if not, I won't type of deal. So, that's worked effectively for me in the past. That's how I look at it now. But this was big because Christian Wood was the prized free agent acquisition, not just by the Rockets, but really by the entire NBA. And he did an amazing job. He ran the floor. He was very athletic. He was dominant down low. He shot six three-pointers, knocked down two of them. And he had some great chemistry off the top with James Harden. Really good chemistry. Whether it was pick and rolls, pick and pops, it looked really, really good. Now, Harden, he looked himself as well. 20 points, had 7 rebounds, 9 assists, very efficient from the floor, 8 of 14, took through 6 threes, knocked down 3 of them. When Harden and Wood were done for the evening, the Rockets were up by 31 points, and both were a plus 22. They looked amazing. Is this a future 1-2 tandem? I mean, if James Harden has anything to say about it, no, but it does look really good. Uh, remember, the Rockets have been in the news quite a bit, and not just for the Harden shenanigans. Chris Clemens is now down for the season with that torn Achilles. Um, that was horrible for him uh, in their in their well next to last preseason game. So he is done. So now we were able to see, or we're gonna have to see how they adjust. And apparently, the Rockets adjusted so far. 
by putting Eric Gordon more on the ball. And he did okay. 23 points, 5 assists, 9 of 14 from the field. Again, all these efficient stat lines. 4 of 9 from 3. If he's able to be that type of player in terms of that playmaking aspect, then the Rockets might be able to do without another guard for both Harden and John Wall. Because that's what it is right now. Harden, John Wall with Air Gordon soaking up minutes for both positions off the bench. And if he can mix the best of both worlds, obviously he's not going to have James Harden's level of scoring, but some of James Harden's level of scoring, along with some of John Wall's uh, ball creation, then you have yourself a pretty good player. You don't have to add another guard to the mix and possibly start a logjam. So it's pretty solid there. Let's go ahead, Christian Wood. The dude was something else. I mean, I have been all over the idea of Wood as a Rocket. You know, someone who can play inside, someone who can play outside. The perfect big man for what they want to use. I've been I've been all over that. that that's that been solid to me. But to see it like this, and yes, the Spurs this preseason have been... Uh, Let's just say the defense has been pretty uh, willing and giving of shots. But, he, but Christian will play like an all-star. The hype train was already rolling on him. He's only picked it up even more. Like I said, coming into the offseason as a guy who's 6'10", who can play inside-outside, who Eric Gordon is compared to Anthony Davis or Christoph Porzingis, I tell him to hold all the phones on that. But someone who's shown that his three-ball is something that's pretty legit. Uh, he's a career 36% three-point shooter. On just about uh, a three and a half a game, you know, he had a breakout season uh, really for Detroit in terms of sustained sample size, 13.6 rebounds. But in a eight game split with New Orleans the season before, I mean, the dude had 16 points and seven rebounds at age 23. So there's something there. You know, he's had, uh, you know, some talk about being a little bit of a knucklehead. He's bounced around a little bit. But if this is where he, if this is the love is going to play at, and of course I'm not saying a nightly 27 and, 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 and 10 person, but let's say, you know, 18 and, and 7, 18 and 8, that's still a very solid player. At age 25? Come on now. That's pretty good. How does that apply with the Rockets? I mean, it depends. With James Harden, you put him and James Harden together with LeJohn Wall. DeMarcus Cousins playing the five, knowing that Christian Wood can also slide up a position, Eric Gordon in the mix. You know, I mean, you might have yourself an interesting-looking squad. Now, is this a squad that is going to contend for a championship? Heavens no. They're just not. James Harden has had better teammates and, and fall, you know, much shorter in terms of running mates. But this is something that can at least maybe convince James Harden that, hey, I have a good running mate here that I can play alongside and that can grow with me. And that might be enough to keep him to stay. That's all they need to do at this point if you're Houston. Now, without Harden, things get a little more interesting. If Harden is gone in a trade, whether that is to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons, you know, some picks and some, um, well, I guess he would be the young piece. I don't know if you're getting additional young pieces uh, for James Harden, however uh, worth it Harden is, then I think you shift the focus of the team to the new acquisition, and Christian Wood. I think Christian Wood, at 25, is young enough to build the next great iteration of Rockets basketball around him. You still have great talent that can at least help you compete uh, in the short term, and that is in John Wall, that is in DeMarcus Cousins, P.J. Tucker, uh, forever long he's around, Eric Gordon, Daniel House as well. The core of a you know 40-win team is still in the, in the, in the building. Joe Green's still around. You know, and that's even with the loss of Harden and, and Chris Clemens, uh, who, you know, didn't have a, a big year last year, probably factored as more of a backup guard this season. You can still survive without that, because I do think that Christian Wood, over a sustained period of time, can show that he has that talent necessary to build.
but obviously you're taking a step down. With Harden, and you could talk yourself in the second round, maybe the Western Conference Finals if you're lucky. You know, at least in this NBA uh, season. Without Harden this year, I think the Rockets have a very strong first-round ceiling. Maybe with the right matchup, they can go to the second round. But I am very, very unlikely about that possibility. So that's kind of what you're looking at there. Regardless, Tristan Wood is that type of player that you can look around and say, hey, this is where we need to go moving forward. This is our prime asset. This is our, our, our young building block. And if you add Ben Simmons to that, so much the better. And let's talk about that real quick. So... Ben Simmons and, you know, James Harden have been talked about since Daryl Morey took over for the 76ers, since James Harden even requested being traded. It just seemed to make sense. Now, it was talked about a little bit ago that uh, Sham Sharani reported that, you know, no talks have progressed, but that the 76ers are, you know, evaluating potential trade options uh, to acquire uh, ben James Harden and that they were open to dealing Ben Simmons. That's what was reported by Sham Sharania. Well, shortly after that, 76 president, obviously Daryl Morey, refuted that and said the team is not considering to trade Simmons. We are not trading Ben Simmons. Morey said, per Sharania, he is an important part of our future. Now, Morey's statement falls in line with an earlier report from the Athletic Sam Amick, who reported that Simmons remains off limits in any potential Harden deal and that the team would rather let, you know, new coach Doc Rivers see what he has to work with before deciding to wheel and deal. So that should end it right there, right? It doesn't. Remember, we just had this same dance with John Wall and the Wizards. Tommy Shepard said, we're not looking to deal with John Wall. Two weeks later, where was John Wall sent to? Houston. So a lot of this can be a smokescreen to maintain, you know, some sort of leverage in these negotiations, in these deals. You're not going to go, oh, yeah, you know, Ben Simmons, he's totally on the block. Everyone's available. That's not true. Ben Simmons might be for James Harden. And allow me to throw my two cents in. This is NBA Today, my show, right? Let's say it. If I have the chance to acquire James Harden to play alongside Joel Embiid, that's what I'm going to do. It's simple. Yes, James Harden a lot more ISO heavy. Of course, he's going to dominate the ball a lot more. His usage rate's going to spike. You know, Joel Embiid's might drop a little bit from 27, 26%. Might drop. But that making of that team, that team construction, has been a lot more successful in the past. We have seen dominant two guards with great big men before. We saw it with James Harden and Dwight Howard. We saw it with Kobe and Shaq. You know, you've seen it with Kareem and Magic Johnson, Penny Hardaway and Shaq. I mean, we can go down the list of, of guards who can get their shot, you know, and big men who can also do damage down low. So this is a new. Now, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, you know, having a dominant center along with a 6'10 point guard who can't shoot but isn't as dynamic off the ball as, say, Magic Johnson, you know, his weaknesses are clear. Like, Magic couldn't shoot, but Magic would shoot. Ben Simmons is, like, allergic to shooting. He's, like, shooting averse. You know, he clogs the paint. You need to build a certain type of team around them. And even when you do, it is not a complete guarantee that that team is going to be successful. The last team that reached a, a good amount of success with the 76ers was when they surrounded Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with Ersan Ilyasova, with J.J. Redick, with Marco Bellinelli. Now, they're trying something similar to that with Seth Curry, with Danny Green, having Shake Milton, having similar shooting, but you're not getting that level of defense. Mind you, you weren't getting that level of defense with the previous 76 team, but they had something extra. They had a, a little bit of a guy called, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler. So it's different. You know what I mean? That's what's going to make this unique. I don't think that you look at that team with Simmons and Joel Embiid and say, you know what, that's a championship winning team right there. Are they in contention? Sure. But are they going to win the whole thing? I'd be hard pressed to think that, especially when looking at teams not only across the division or across the conference, you know, in the Los Angeles Clippers, in the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, in those teams right there, but even in your own conference. 
the Brooklyn Nets? Kevin Durant, Kyrie? I don't know. Do you take Kevin Durant, Kyrie, or Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid? I'm looking at Brooklyn. I'm just saying. Boston, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, you're not even the best tandem in your conference, you know? <laughs> Debatable, but that's just where I'm looking at it. So if I have the chance to, to, to recreate that, yes, I'm going to do that. And it gives me the chance to compete for two more years. Harden is 31 after all. Let's say Harden can play at his, at, at his peak for two more years. We don't know. I'm not sure how he's going to age, and his body type is not less. It's not exactly uh, Adonis-level body here. Let's just think about that for two years, possibly. Is is that reasonable? I think so. In the Eastern Conference, is that enough? I think it is. As long as you're dealing, you know, Ben Simmons and, and pick heavy and keep most of your remaining core, I think that can work. I think that the, the blueprint is there to have James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and rolls. I think the blueprint is there to get your James Harden isos, to get your Joel Embiid post-ups, to make sure that there's enough adequate shot creation from, you know, spot-up shooters across the board, from Seth Curry to Danny Green. And they're guys who need to convert shots that are created by James Harden. So it's not like they need to demand the ball either. There's going to be really two players who need the ball in their hands. Just just happen to be the two best players on your team. Split that 50-50, boom. In my mind, that makes a lot more sense than having Ben Simmons around. Now, Looking at Houston, how does Ben Simmons and Christian Wood look? I don't know, to be honest with you. I guess you turn the ball over to Christian Wood. I mean, not Christian Wood. Turn the ball over to Ben Simmons, your point guard, but why would you do that when you have John Wall? Is he playing off the ball as a two guard? I don't know. I think that if you're the Rockets, Stephen Silas would have a a very interesting um, decision to make or decision-making process to make when it comes to that because then is John Wall your point guard and then you play uh, Ben Simmons as the three slash four? and more of your playmaking big man, alongside Christian Wood, the five, and DeMarcus Cousins still around, John uh, John Wall still there, Eric Gordon still there, you know, Daniel House, are you competing, you know, are you looking to rebuild? I mean, I think you could still kind of do a soft contention, because Christian Wood, 25, Ben Simmons, 24, they're both, you know, in just before their prime, in, in, in a good space, under contract for a good couple of years, you can kind of see what works around that team. Now, does that mean that John Wall's probably gone? Eh, I don't know. Can he even be gone with that roster? You'd have to find another equally bad contract to move him for. I don't think Houston would be interested in doing that. So it brings a lot of questions there. But from an asset accumulation type deal, to get a young all-star forward, James Harden, yes, that makes perfect sense if you're Houston. And you get that, and you make that deal 10 times out of 10, and you deal with the chips, you know, when they come later. Deal with that as a man. So I think that's where you look in that case. Houston right now is a very interesting spot. I'm going to talk about this a little more um, in a future show, uh, a future being like very fe- very new future with the NBA season starting up around the corner. But I'm going to have Justin Matchin back on to preview the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So we're going to talk about that, who makes the playoffs, all that good stuff. But currently, and this is a sneak peek slash spoiler, I have the Rockets, if James Harden stays the whole season, making the eighth seed. I think that he is good enough that the Western Conference is is very good. Let's not get it twisted. They have a very stacked team. You have teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, like the Suns, who are going to look to contend. With that being said, I don't know. I just think Harden is that good of a player. Top five easy. 40 wins off the top, maybe. And I think this team is more talent than, let's say, is being talked up. But it's not a complete, you know, lock for the 450. I think that they will be uh, around the, the, you know, outer echelon of the Western Conference race. They'll get in, though. Now, without James Harden, I don't think they make it. I think it's too much um, moving. I think that you have a team that was built around James Harden for literally almost a decade plus that now has to change on the fly in a tough conference around totally new pieces, you know, uh, if that Harden trade is being done. And I just think that's a lot to manage. So, no, I don't have them there. But a lot of it comes down to what you're looking at right now. The Houston team has a lot of older players that could be dealt for, you know, second round picks, 
P.J. Tucker, I think, could get a return. He might be your most valuable asset, maybe a trade deadline deal for a contender. Eric Gordon, I mean, you don't like the contract. The extension didn't make any sense. He's kind of fading a little bit, and last season was horrible for him, but he's around. DeMarcus Cousins, not guaranteed. I think he's going to stick around. John Wall, I mean, that contract we already mentioned, boom. But Daniel House might make some sense. Then again, Daniel House might fit on this team. You know, he's older um, than both Christian Wood and, let's say, potentially Ben Simmons at 27, but he's still on a reasonable deal. 6'7", good three-point shooter, good defensive player. Why not? You could roll with that if you wanted to, you know? And after that, you're looking at guys like Deshaun Tate, Bruno Cobocolo. You know, J.O. Green's still hanging around, but he's not getting you anything. Sterling Brown, David Nwaba, Ben McLemore, guys who make a good fit for this team as currently constructed. But, you know, will they make a perfect fit if they do a rebuild for guys like Nwaba, Brown, and McLemore? I think so. I think, yeah, they're, you know, closer to their mid to later 20s. But even so, I think that they make uh, good sense on this roster. So it depends. But uh, Houston, man, they have a lot of questions. Again, I'm going to be going into this a little deeper with Justin Matcham. Uh, you should hear that by the beginning of next week. But it's going to be interesting to see where they go with this and how they move because they are one of the more interesting teams in the NBA for me this year, bar none. Support for this program is brought to you by, obviously, listeners like you. Doesn't that sound so much like a old-school PBS? But also, <laughs> it is brought by our partnership with Manscaped, which just unveiled very recently the new Lawnmower 3.0. It is Lawnmower 3.0 season. Not for myself, I need my hair, but with the cutting edge tech that it brings, able to do what it needs to do for you in the shower, in the dark, anywhere you need, in the shower, in the dark. The Lawnmower 3.0 is everything you need to get yourself groomed up this winter. How can you get your hands on one? Use the promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order and free shipping. Again, HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Also, sports are back, y'all, if, if, in case y'all missed it. While you may not be going to an actual physical game for a while, you can still take advantage of these hot betting takes from afar with my bookie. How can you do that? Sign up for a new account at MyBookie with coupon code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and get a 100% deposit match bonus. Again, MyBookie coupon code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. It should be very easy. This is a HOOPBALL presentation, after all. And you can get a 100% deposit match bonus. What are y'all waiting for? Definitely make sure to check that out. HOOPBALL with MyBookie, HOOPBALL20 with Manscaped.com. Check out that lawnmower 3.0. So the NBA GM survey dropped. Now, again, in case y'all weren't familiar, NBA GM survey come GM survey <laughs> GM survey comes out every year. The NBA's decision makers they tap, you know, who has the best chance to win um, the NBA championship, who will win the MVP. It's really interesting just to see what general managers think. You know, at the helm of their respective teams, what do they think from their perspective or from their perch, if you will, on the general outlook of the NBA? Who's in contention? Who's not? So let's get into some of the highlights of this, some of the interesting types here. This is the 19th annual NBA.com GM survey, so that's pretty interesting. 81% of responding general managers picked the Lakers to repeat. That is the third highest rate in the history of the survey, trailing only the Golden State Warriors in 2017-2018, where 93% of the GMs picked them to repeat, and 2018-2019, where 87 of them did. Now, in 2017-2018, the Warriors did, in fact, repeat. 2018-2019 is where you know the Warriors, you know, disassembled, suffered injuries, and the Raptors behind Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, and the rest of that great cast came and beat them. That's interesting. That shows to me how much 
LeBron James inspires that respect, fear, awe, whatever, from GMs. He's set to turn 36 at the end of December. Isn't that crazy? He's named the league's best small forward for the 14th time in the last 15 years. He was named the league's best passer for the fourth straight season and his most versatile player. And yet a few player a GMs who think that he could win a fifth MVP award. That'd be insane at age 36. I thought he had saw enough of you last year, but we're not going to go into that anymore, are we? No, let's move on. Um, the most of the votes, speaking of MVP, were for Giannis to win a third straight, becoming just the fourth player in NBA history to do that. But she had a few that said they would pick Luka Doncic, alongside a few that already said that they would pick LeBron. So that's interesting. But let's go into some of them. So predictions. Which team will the NBA win? Will, 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 I cannot talk. Which team will win the 2021 NBA Finals? 81% said the Lakers. 11% said the Clippers. Votes were also received for both the Brooklyn Nets and the Miami Heat. Last year, for reference, the Clippers had 46% of the vote. And we saw how that went down, didn't we? <laughs> All right, so in terms of the conference... 64% see Milwaukee at number one, with Brooklyn falling number two, Miami falling number three, Boston falling number four, Philly falling number five, and the rest of it being fluid. Last year, 76% picked Milwaukee to win East. So we see it's a lot more fluid now with some of the surrounding teams getting a little stronger and maybe some GMs not as optimistic on what the Milwaukee Bucks did to maintain their supremacy at the top of the East. Just that simple. As far as the Lakers, in the West, 86% see them finishing number one. Clippers falling at number two, 61% see them finishing second, Denver three, Dallas four, Portland five, Utah, Golden State, Phoenix over there. Last year, 66% picked the Clippers, then it was Denver, then the Lakers, then Utah, Houston, Golden State, Portland, San Antonio. So we already talked about the MVP, but here was another thing that came out. If you were starting a franchise today and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? 43% voted for Giannis, which is good, but... Last year, 86% voted for him. So, just my my uh, my foreshadowing cap here, not even foreshadowing, but my sort of determiner, determining factor was, you know, they watched very closely for the third straight season, Giannis's inability to adapt in the playoffs. And went, mm, you know what, he would get us about 50, 60 wins, easy, you know, in the regular season, but we'd worry about the playoffs. Because what other explanation would you have for his votes being literally cut in half? 86% last year, 43% this year. 43%, speaking of that number, voted for Luka Doncic as a player they'd start their franchise around. Anthony Davis received 7% of the vote. And you still had LeBron James get votes alongside Zion Williamson as well. Which player forces coaching opposing coaches to make the most adjustments? A couple years, I feel James Harden has won this. This year is yet another one. James Harden got 32% of that vote. Second was LeBron James. Then Steph Curry. Then Giannis, Doncic, and Jokic all tied. Also receiving votes was Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard. All right, now this one I thought was interesting. I'm not going to go into the percentages, but just what most GMs thought. Which player is most likely to have a breakout season in 2021? Shea Gilgis Alexander got the highest percent of the vote, but he was tied with Michael Porter Jr. Both those guys that could see it with increased opportunity. I'm way more higher on Gilgis Alexander than I am on Porter Jr. because Alexander's going to get all the minutes and most of the ball to do what he wants on a pretty bad Oklahoma City team that is intentionally trying to be bad. Whereas Michael Porter Jr. still has to battle for that starting spot with Will Barton, you know, just to get the starting three. Those guys both want it. And, you know, Garrett Howe's going to factor in there, although he has to two. It's going to be interesting to see kind of where that logjam falls. De'Aaron Fox was next in line of 
breakout season, which I could definitely see. Devin Booker, of course, that makes sense playing alongside Chris Paul, unlocking even more of his game. Zion Williamson as well. Also receiving votes, DeAndre Ayton, <laughs> Bull Bull, which, I mean, it's possible. Mikel Bridges, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, Gordon Hayward, Tally Hero, Laurie Markkinen, John Morant, Jamal Murray, Jason Tatum. Last year, it was De'Aaron Fox who had 19% of the vote, but he was injured uh, for some of last year. I think his mojo was thrown off a little bit. The Kings fell apart. There was you know, some issues with Luke Walton and, and, and the friction there, but he healed. There was a lot of other factors that came into that, but he still you know, dropped from 19% to 12%, but whatever. Best point guard in the NBA. According to the GM, Steph Curry, number one. Damian Lillard, number two. Luka Doncic, number three. Interesting there. Chris Paul, LeBron, and then Harden. So I guess it's very fluid on what you decide as far as designations for point guard, shooting guard, small forward, whatever the case may be. 30% say Steph Curry. Last year, 90% said Steph Curry. Best shooting guard in the NBA. James Harden, then Bradley Beal, followed by Luka Doncic, Jimmy Butler, Devin Booker. Last year, James Harden at 86%. This time, he has 68%. Uh, also, Bradley Beal and Luka Doncic were tied for a second. So, for whatever that's worth for you. Who's the best small forward in the NBA? Number one, LeBron by a wide margin. Then Kawhi. Then Kevin Durant. Giannis and Luka also receive votes. Why was Giannis so low in the best small forward? Because he won the best power forward in the NBA. By a pretty considerable margin. Giannis. Then LeBron. Then Anthony Davis. Then Kevin Durant. So I guess a lot of people see Durant playing at the four this season. Best center in the NBA. Nikola Jokic followed very closely by Anthony Davis, and then Giannis last year, Nikola Jokic won before, so second year in a row, and I tend to agree with that. Best defensive player in the NBA, Giannis, then Anthony Davis, then Kawhi, then Rudy Gobert, Bam Adebayo, and Jimmy Butler both got votes. Last year, it was Kawhi Leonard, who had 45% of the vote. This time, he dropped all the way down to 18%, so again, a lot of what they saw this year, you know, Kawhi having to assume a higher offensive responsibility, his defense did fall off. Apparently, GM thought it fell off a lot more than it did. Um, I tend to think he's still a feared player. I do. I think he's relying entirely on reputation as of yet. No, but it's possible that others disagree. Best international player. Giannis, Luka, Nikola Jokic. In that order. Uh, Giannis won last year by a wider margin. Luka cut into that a little bit, but Giannis still won going away. All right, let's go to offseason moves. Which he made the best overall moves this offseason. Lakers won that, followed by the Suns, the Thunder, the Hawks, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Blazers. Last year, the Clippers won that, which makes sense. Which one player acquisition will make the biggest impact? Chris Paul to Phoenix was number one. Drew Holiday to Milwaukee was number two. Serge Ibaka to the Clippers was number three. All shooting votes, Bogdan Bogdanovich to Atlanta, Kevin Durant to Brooklyn, Gordon Hayward to Charlotte, and Russell Westbrook to Washington. What was the most underrated player acquisition? Number one, Serge Ibaka to the Clippers. Number two, Steven Adams to the Pelicans. Number three, well, two as well, Robert Covington to Portland. Number three slash four, Seth Curry to Philadelphia. Also receiving votes, Nicholas Batum to the Clippers, which I don't understand because the dude looked washed in Charlotte and he doesn't look much better with the Clippers so far in preseason. But Bogdanovich in Atlanta, DeMarcus Cousins in Houston, Chris Dunn in Atlanta, Derek Favors in Utah, Marcus Hall with the Lakers, Montrezl Harrell with the Lakers, Drew Holiday with the Bucks, Derek Jones with the Cheryl Blazers, Luke Kennard with the Clippers, Kelly Uber to Golden State, Josh Richardson to Dallas, Roger Armando to the Hawks, Dennis Schroeder to the Lakers, Tristan Thompson to the Celtics, and John Wall to the Rockets. Most surprising move of the offseason. Number one for me, and obviously for this, was Gordon Hayward to Charlotte. That was insane to me. Did not see that coming. Doesn't make any sense to me. Still doesn't make any sense to me, <laughs> so I don't know. Next was John Wall in the Russell Westbrook trade. Third was Jeremy Grant going to Detroit. Fourth was Montrezl to the Lakers. 
He also had votes for Gasol and Serge Ibaka leaving Toronto, Drew Holiday going to Milwaukee, and Chris Paul going to Phoenix. All right, last but not least, and we'll just do these last two, who win the Rookie of the Year? Now, in my mind, I think Anthony Edwards has a chance. And I know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to folks, but I just think he's more offensively polished. And I think that has a chance to really show itself down the line. Now, did he have a great preseason? No, he did not. So it gave me some cause for pause. But I still think he has a good chance. Second for me would be Obi Toppin. Now, according to the GMs, LaMelo Ball has the biggest chance, followed by James Wiseman, then Obi Toppin, and then Anthony Edwards. Uh, Denny Advija also uh, got a vote as well as Isaac Okoro. And then which rookie will be the best player in five years? This was interesting to me. Number one, James Wiseman, 36% said so. LaMelo Ball second, Anthony Edwards third, Patrick Williams fourth, Isaac Okoro fifth. Onyeke Kongwu also got a vote, and Obi Toppin again. What's funny is that last year, uh, Zion Williamson won it, right? But five years ago, they said who will be the best player in five years? This is Carl Anthony Towns. And honestly, most GMs are right about that. I think of that draft class, Carl Anthony Towns is the best player, easily. So that's interesting. Uh, best head coach in the league, Eric Spolster won that. Which head coach is the best manager motivator? Eric Spolster won that. Which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? Uh, surprise, surprise, Eric Spolster won that as well. I actually give a lot more credit to um, Nick Nurse myself, but okay. Eric Spolster's given a more proven track record of it, so I understand that. Which new or relocated head coach make the biggest impact? Steve Nash won that one. Who is the best assistant coach in the NBA? Mike D'Antoni won that. And which active player will make the best head coach someday? Chris Paul, 36%. Rajon Ronda right behind him. Udonis Haslam right behind him. Very interesting. And then Garrett Temple behind him. There's a lot more interesting ones in this that I really think you should look at. Uh, but I think that's going to close it for me on this. It's just an interesting survey that I like to look at just to see what GMs think. I mean, that's part of the interest for me to begin with. When I'm playing, you know, 2K or basketball GM, you know, you're making moves from a management perspective, and you're like, what are the decision makers, the top decision makers in the NBA thinking about when they evaluate their own players, when they evaluate other players, their own coach, other coaches? And this is one of the rare opportunities that you have to get kind of a look in and see what that looks like, you know? To kind of get into the minds of GMs. Now, yes, they're all anonymous. You won't ever really know, but a consensus speaks a lot. You know, it sums it up in a major way. And I think for as close a peek as we'll get to NBA GM's decision-making process, eh, not the worst thing in the world. Pretty interesting, I might add. Again, you can check this out. Just look at NBA GM survey. Type in the year you want going back 19 years, and you can see what GMs thought about who. I think it's very interesting. Definitely recommend checking it out. All right, last little bit of scuttlebutt news. NBA uh, corner report is investigating the Clippers over Kawhi recruitment allegations. Uh, this is according to Athletic Sam Amick. Uh, this is following a TMZ sports story about the circumstances that surrounded Kawhi's decision to join the Clippers last year. TMZ reported that Johnny Wilkes filed suit against Jerry West, who has an executive role with the Clippers, alleging he was supposed to be paid $2.5 million, Wilkes was, for helping push Leonard toward the franchise. These are quotes. Wilkes says in the lawsuit he immediately went to work and began convincing Kawhi and Kawhi's uncle the Clippers were the right team for him after he just left the Toronto Raptors. Wilkes said he told West and the Clippers they need to get Paul George first and foremost to Kawhi. He then says he helped connect West with Kawhi's uncle. Wilkes also claims in the suit he gave West a a specific game plan for how the Clippers should pitch Kawhi during an important meeting with West, Leonard, Doc Rivers, and others in July 2019. West later issued a statement to TMZ Sports saying, I am not aware of any lawsuit being fought against me, and I deny engaging in any improper conduct in connection with the signing of Kawhi Leonard. 
The Clippers also denied wrongdoing, saying the lawsuit filed by Johnny Wilkes is replete with inaccuracies and the allegations are baseless. The Clippers are fully cooperating with the NBA in this investigation, which is standard when these types of allegations are made. They are providing the NBA with evidence that the allegations are false. Now, this isn't the first time the NBA has looked at the Clippers signing of Leonard ahead of the season, with most of the concerns really being centered around Leonard's uncle, Dennis Robertson. Uh, Amick reported in 2019, the league conducted a formal investigation of the Clippers last summer after complaints surfaced that Robertson was asking for improper benefits during the free agency process, among these things being a house, the on-demand use of a private plane, and ownership stake in the franchise. Uh, Corned Amick, Robertson approached both the Lakers and the Raptors with the request, raising questions about how far the Clippers went to get a signature. The NBA did not find any evidence of wrongdoing. I think in some extent, to a certain extent, you know, maybe they just don't like that, uh, a player as powerful as Kawhi has his uncle managing his affairs. You know? Now, whether these behind-the-deal, uh, the behind-the-scenes deals are common, I I would imagine that some of them are. I would. You get later on, we had reports um, from The Athletic about the way that the Clippers uh, had private perks. A lot of that was, you know, behind the, the, the public eye until it was revealed in that piece. So, I would imagine that there's some sort of wink-wink in general. I just give the benefit of the doubt in that, in that, that that's going on, then say, oh, that would never happen, and then, of course, it happens. That's just how I look at it. So, it's quite possible, and obviously, you want to make sure that you're, you know, doing your due diligence to do a full investigation to make sure that there isn't anything improper or something awry or amiss in the air with something like that. That, that's kind of dangerous, you know? I think that the Clippers just had the best chance to get Kawhi and Paul George, simple as that. They had the assets to trade for Paul George, they had surrounding cast and the success, to attract Kawhi Leonard while also making him feel like, hey, he can mold this team around himself while still being a contending team and having a franchise that would do whatever it could to make Kawhi happy. That just makes sense to me. I don't think they had to pay a $2.5 million to Mr. Wilkes. Again, just my opinion, but I don't think they had to do that to um, make sure that they got Kawhi's pen signature on that contract. I don't think that had to happen. I think that they had a very good chance to do it, and they did it. And it's done. Now, if there's anything more to add about these allegations slash investigation, you know, I'll definitely be on that for y'all. But I don't know. I think it's much like the last one with Dennis Robertson where they looked into it and they didn't find anything. I think it's going to happen here too. Just my thoughts. Anyways, that'll do it here for you, a boy, on NBA Today. Definitely make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Again, HoopBall. Got a lot of stuff going on over there. Hoop-Ball.com on Twitter at hoop. Ball tweets. Make sure to check out the Hoopball 360. I said it once. I said it a thousand times. They have everything you need to level up. The ultimate Hoopball experience. Fantasy Pass, DFS Pass, Wager Pass, Brewski 150, all that. Definitely make sure to check that out, alright? Thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on iTunes. Wherever you get your podcasts, I don't care. Give me feedback so I can know what I can improve upon. That's important to me. Definitely want to make this show better. NBC is about to ramp up. You're going to be hearing a lot more of this show. So the better product we can put out here for y'all, the more happier we all will be. So definitely make sure to look at that. Definitely make sure also to check out Lawnmower 3.0 season because that's what it is. Manscaped.com. Check out that promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Again, HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Last but not least, my bookie has a great deal for you with that 100% deposit match bonus. Coupon code HOOPBALL for that. H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Take advantage of the tremendous opportunities here that HoopBall can give you through Manscaped, through my bookie, through all this. Just do that, y'all. 
in the meantime, between time, I'm your boy Corbin Ford. I am Frosty. Yeah, I say Frosty. And I'll talk to that mom. <laughs> All right, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.